Good morning. Y'all doing all right? Finally got some cool weather. That's nice. Felt like summer. Uh, still in November. But anyway, I don't know why I even brought that up, but just something to break the ice. It's always a little awkward, first things you say when you come out here. So um, anyway, push through the awkwardness. All right. So anyway, I'm Brandon. Um, and glad you guys are here. We're going to start a new series today uh, out of the Gospel of John. It's called The Appearing, and we're really going to use this series leading up to um, Christmas and really looking at the appearing of Jesus and how he came on the scene um, and had been expected, the Messiah, the the Savior, the Anointed One, had been expected uh, by the Jews for years and years. Um, But now you see this appearing begin to happen. And with Jesus, there are a lot of things we begin to see and that are revealed to us about God, about ourselves, and about God's intentions for us. And so if you will, turn in John, Gospel of John, John chapter 1. And I'm going to read just a few verses. And then we're going to drop all the way back to the very beginning, read a few verses, And then in 1 Corinthians chapter 2. And so it says in the gospel of John, it says, In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was with God in the beginning. Through him all things were made. Without him nothing was made that has been made. In him was life, and that life was the light of all mankind. The light shines in the darkness. And the darkness has not overcome it. Drop all the way back to Genesis chapter 1. I've spoken about this a few times, but I just want you to hear the parallels of the first few verses of Genesis with the first few verses of the Gospel of John. It says, in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. Notice the phrase, in the beginning. Now the earth was formless and empty. Darkness was over the surface of the deep. And the Spirit of God was hovering over the waters. And God said, let there be light. And there was light. Now let's go way over to the right. Go past the Gospel of John to the book of uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 2. You got to go past John and Acts and Romans. And you come to 1 Corinthians. And in chapter 2, this won't be on the screen, but you can follow along on your phone or Bible. It says... And so it was with me, brothers and sisters. This is the Apostle Paul writing to the church in Corinth. He says, When I came to you, I did not come with eloquence or human wisdom as I proclaimed to you the testimony about God. For I resolved to know nothing while I was with you except Jesus Christ and him crucified. I came to you in weakness, with great fear and trembling. My message and my preaching were not with wise and persuasive words, but with a demonstration of the Spirit's power, so that your faith might not rest on human wisdom, but on God's power. Before we pray and get in, I do want to tell you the Gospel of John was written by a man by the name of John. The Bible refers to him as John, the son of Zebedee. Um, He was one of Jesus' apostles, one of his early followers. And he wrote this gospel sometime after Matthew, Mark, and Luke were written. And so when we read this, um, it's John, the the apostle, he refers to himself as the apostle or the the, um, one whom Jesus loved. 
And, and so uh, it's written sometime later uh, with a little bit of a different angle. And I just want you to know who's writing this. So we're going to read uh, about John the Baptist. Don't confuse John the Baptist with John the Apostle who is writing this um, as we get into this. And so let's pray and we'll get going. Lord, thank you for your word and its truth. Thank you, God, for who you are, for what you do. Lord, thank you that you have revealed yourself to us in Christ your great love for us, God, the power that you have to create and recreate, the power of your revelation of yourself, the power of your salvation. Lord, I just pray in the next few minutes that all of that will become more clear to us, who you are, who we are, our need for you, and how you've met that need in Jesus. We love you. We thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. So um, I feel like one of the things that we have as people who are made in the image of God is the ability to create. How many people would think of yourself as creative, right? You, you're kind of a creative person. You, maybe you think outside the box. Some people are so creative um, that they come up with things that have never existed. Um, and, and they can envision things. I think about Steve Jobs like this. He, he could envision things that, that there was no prototype for it. There were things that he just could see and that were there and, and it just came, seemed to, seemingly came out of nowhere. Um, but then there are other people who have this element of creativity. You can take what is and make it better and, and you can think outside the box and, and that kind of thing. And then we've got some people who just, you have no creative bone in your body, right? Um, and that's okay too. But we're, we as people creating the image of God, I believe part of what comes with that is the ability to create, um, the ability to be creative, a creative agent in the world. And, and when I think about that, um, I think about how the church in so many ways does create a lot. The, the, the church creates and has been creative in so many different ways throughout history that has really helped people. Um, creating um, different ways to care for people, different ways um, to advance uh, people's lives, all kinds of things that Christians have been a part of. But where I think I'm struggling a little bit with that is that we oftentimes as Christians and as churches try to become so creative that we can create things that just sort of push God completely out of the way. What I mean by this is there are millions and millions of dollars spent by churches to create environments, to create services, to create messages, to try to win you to the Lord, to try to cause you to love God more. And I'm not saying that's wrong, but where I think there's a challenge in that is when that takes the place of trusting in the power of God's Spirit. When we read in 1 Corinthians chapter 2, Paul is very clear to the Corinthians who are questioning his leadership. He tells them, look, when I came to you, I didn't come with these persuasive words. I didn't come to try to wow you. I didn't come to try to, to, to win you over with my eloquence. 
And he says there's a very specific reason for this. He said the reason for this is I didn't want your faith to rest on my wisdom. I didn't want your faith to rest on my ability to, to be a great orator. I wanted your faith to rest on the power of God. And sometimes I think we get to this place where we try to create and make things happen so much that we forget that the greatest creative agent that there's ever been, that there ever will be, is God himself. And we look at this today, guys. Um, I'll say this. We oftentimes in church exhaust ourselves to try to create something to do what only God can do. I listened to a podcast actually yesterday, and it was talking about how in today's world, you have to be so creative. We've got to come up with new ways to communicate and all these different ways of speaking and talking and doing and da 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 And honestly, it just gets exhausting. It gets exhausting to try to wow people. It gets exhausting to create something that's never been done before. It gets exhausting. And, and here's the thing that I would say to that. God either is who he says he is or he isn't. The word of God is either enough or it's not. And so today, as I come out here to speak on this, I really have prayed and I've thought and I've, I've looked at this passage in John. And the thing that I want to do today is I just kind of want to unpack it. I just want us to look at it and to see and to trust that the Spirit of God would do something in our hearts that we can't do. That we could somehow become honest about our need for recreation in our own hearts even today. That we could somehow have a greater revelation of who Jesus is even today that we could somehow realize again that God has the ability to deliver us from darkness even today. That God today has the ability to save. Because here's what I know, just because we're humans, many of us in here right now need to be delivered. We need to be brought out of darkness in some area of our life. We need change. We need a heart change. And here's what I realize. My best efforts can't do that for you. But God can. God can. And as we look at this passage of Scripture in John chapter 1, John says this, in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was with God in the beginning. He says, through him all things were made. Without him nothing was made that has been made. In him was life, and that life was the light of all mankind. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. I feel like a better translation of verse 5 is actually, 
and the darkness has not understood it. And the reason I believe that is because John is going all the way back to the very beginning of time. And he's saying, what I want you to understand is the one who is appearing before us has existed before time began. And he's talking about Jesus coming. And if you look at verse 3, he says, all things were made through him. Without him, nothing has been made or was made that has been made. And when we look at this, the thing that I would encourage you to see in this is that God is revealing through Jesus the power of creation, the power of creation. He's saying that Jesus stepping into the earth brought the power of creation, the same power of creation that created everything we see and everything we know and everything around us, the same power of creation stepped in that, that created everything that took the earth when it was void and empty and dark and began to bring light. He's saying everything that was in God that, that Jesus did, as John is saying in that time, when Jesus stepped into the world, the same power of that creation stepped into the world with the power to recreate. Only this time, it wasn't that there was no light from a physical standpoint. He's saying, but darkness was ruling and reigning over the earth. And Jesus, the light of the world, stepped into the earth to bring light. And he talks about this in verse four. He says, in him was life, and that life was the light of all mankind. Some of these words can sound a little bit tricky, but what I want you to see in this is that when Jesus says this, he says, or when John says this about Jesus, that life was the light of all mankind. What does he mean? He means that when Jesus stepped in, there was a revelation that was given. First, it was the creative power of God stepping in, but then there's this revelation of God that steps in. Jesus steps in to reveal who God is, and he's saying Jesus's life itself was the revelation of who God is. And that life, it brought light to the world in this world that was dark, empty, void of God's life. He's saying Jesus stepped in and he brought that life. And he, in that, he brought life, a revelation of who God is. He goes on and he talks about how the light shines in the darkness, but the darkness has not understood it or the darkness has not overcome it. And in this, he's saying, look, he steps into the darkness, but the darkness didn't recognize it. And yet Jesus has the power to deliver us from the darkness. So there's three things there that I want you to see. One, Jesus stepped into the world with creative power. Two, Jesus stepped into the world with the power of revelation. And three, Jesus stepped into the world with the power of deliverance and salvation. And when we look at this, these things are huge. They're huge for us, not just to understand John chapter one, but to understand our own lives. That there is one person, one God, who has the ability not only to create, but to recreate, to take the ruins of our lives and to begin to build something good with them. Not just the ruins of your life before Christ, but the things that we, when we get in our flesh, are still able to destroy. And he says, but he has the power to take all of that and to begin to create something beautiful from the ashes that we've created. 
He says that Jesus still has the ability to reveal to you who God really is in a world that tries to define God, even in church when we try to define God, and and sometimes we're misguided in that. He says, if you look to Jesus, you can truly see who God is. And he says he still has the power to overcome the darkness in our lives. And so when we look at this, John is taking this all the way back to the very beginning. And he's saying, understand this, that this appearing is the appearing of no other than the one who created in the beginning, the one who brought light and darkness in the beginning, and the one who delivered the world from emptiness and chaos in the beginning. There is, this is the very one, Jesus, the word made flesh, who stepped into the earth. And then he goes on and he talks about John the Baptist. He says, there was a man sent from God whose name was John. He came as a witness to testify concerning that light so that through him all might believe. He himself was not the light. He came only as a witness to the light. And so John goes from the very beginning of creation to the very beginning of the ministry or the appearing of Jesus. And he says, John the Baptist came on the scene and he had a powerful ministry, but he wasn't the light. He was simply sent to testify about the light. He was sent to declare that the time has finally come. John was sent to tell people and to say, listen, you know all that's been promised for hundreds and hundreds of years through God's prophets and God's people. He's saying now that time has arrived and this appearing, this new beginning has begun. The time has now come for creation and recreation to happen again. The time has now come for the light to overcome the darkness. The time has now come for you to fully see who God is and what God is like and to experience his presence. John was sent as this messenger to prepare our hearts for the coming of Jesus. And in some way today, I pray that God could use me to prepare your heart to receive again the reality and the truth of who Jesus is and what Jesus does. See, I am not the light. No preacher is the light. The best that we can do is to point you to the light, to show you the one, to point you to the one who can recreate in your life, who has the power to deliver you from what hinders you, to fulfill in you the potential that God has given you. He says in verse nine, the true light that gives light to everyone was coming into the world. He was in the world and though the world was made through him, the world did not recognize him. He came to that which was his own, but his own did not receive him. Yet to all who did receive him, to those who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God. Children born not of natural descent, nor of human decision or a husband's will, but born of God. He said the true light came into the world. He said, listen, there, there may have been some counterfeit things. 
He said, this is the true light, the fullness of what God has promised. He says he was in the world and though the world was made through him, even though he was the one who God created everything through, they didn't recognize him. Speaking mostly about the Jewish people. These people who knew the law, who knew everything that, that, that was leading up to this appearing, they didn't recognize him. And my fear for us as people who are in church week after week, or maybe been in church for years of our life, is that when he appears to us, we still don't recognize him. That the light can shine and that our eyes can't discern it because it's only discerned through the eyes of faith. He came to those who were his own, but they wouldn't receive him. And then there's this huge transition. He says, yet to all who did receive him, to those who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God. Children born not of natural sin or human decision or a husband's will, but born of God. He's saying, but there are those who did receive. There are those who saw. And when that happened, something happened to them. And it was an inward transformation. There was this inward revelation that came to them and the light shined in the darkness of their soul and they came to life. He says it's not like when a man and a woman and they have a desire for each other and maybe they have even a desire for a child. He's saying these two lives come together and then they produce a life. And he said, no, 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 this is much greater and much bigger than that. He's saying this life that came into the world that was the light of the world, it has come and produced a life that is not of human will or our decision. It is a life that can only come from God. And what was dead and what was empty and what was void has now been made alive. And those who've been made alive have become children of the one who is alive. They become children, sons and daughters of God. Simply by believing those who would receive him, those who didn't look at this as, and, and mock it, those who didn't look at this and treat it flippantly, but those who in seeing the light of God and the revelation of who God really is, realizing I need a savior. And those who cried out to him and those who received him were given life. The same life that was in him is given to them. The power of recreation, now recreating us. It's what it means to be born again. A new life given to us. A new light, a new way of seeing. A new way of believing. A new way of living. He says, the word became flesh and made his dwelling among us. Can you imagine this? So back in the Old Testament, there were some different meeting places where people met with God. Moses would meet with God in the tent of meeting. Then there was the tabernacle where the people would go in and 
they would meet with God and make sacrifices. Then there was the temple. And all of these things represented the fact that God dwelled in the midst of Israel. In the midst of the Jewish people, God dwelt with them. In fact, if you go read Exodus chapter 33, Moses says, God, if you don't go with us, I don't want to go. For how will they know that we are your people if you're not with us? Moses wasn't saying this in some kind of um, way of like, God, I don't want to go without you because, you know, I'll miss you. He was saying this in a way of like, God, if you don't go, there's nothing to distinguish us. And then John says here, he says, he came and dwelt amongst us, literally tabernacled amongst us. And this is so powerful to think about that the God of the universe, who is light, who gives life, stepped into the darkness to dwell amongst us. And no longer would it be in a tent of meeting, a tabernacle or a temple where God and men would meet, but it would be in Christ himself. He became our point of meeting. He became not only the place where the sacrifice was made, he became the sacrifice that made a way for us to come to God. And he chose to dwell amongst us. John three sixteen tells us that God so loved the world, but understand this, God so loved the world, not because the world was lovable. It doesn't show us that there was anything positive about the world. What it shows us is the greatness of God's love. And when he chose to come and dwell amongst us, it's not because we were worthy of him dwelling amongst us. It was because his great love drove him to step into our darkness and into our mess, to bring a new creation, to bring a greater revelation of who God is and who we are and our purpose, to bring a deliverance out of the darkness into the light to bring salvation from our own sin and our own trespasses and from death. He dwelt amongst us. He says, we've seen his glory, the glory of the one and only son who came from the father, full of grace and truth. And this points back to the Old Testament as well. See, the gospel doesn't dangle out here in space somewhere. It's not some novelty that someone created. It goes all the way back to the beginning of time and it works its way all the way through the Old Testament, all of these pages to come to this place where Jesus is revealed. And he tells us that we've seen the glory, the one who came full of grace and truth. And, and we can try to decipher grace and truth, but what it's really pointing back to is God's covenant faithfulness that he's shown his people for centuries. That, that, that he was faithful to them even when they were unfaithful. And what John is saying is understand this, all the faithfulness that we have seen in Jesus through, or through, in God through all of these centuries, all of these prophets, all of these people, He's saying has now fully been revealed to us his covenant love, his covenant faithfulness, his desire that we would come to know him has been fully revealed in Jesus. 
a full revelation of who God is. And if you can read about who Jesus was when he walked the earth and you can read about what Jesus did and you can read about what Jesus accomplished through the gospels and we are not amazed, something is really wrong with our heart that this is the God who created all. And for those of us who are his children, this is the God that we serve. That should be amazing. The fullness of his covenant faithfulness, the fullness of his covenant love, the fullness of all that he is revealed in Jesus Verse 15, John testified concerning him. He cried out saying, this is the one I spoke about when I said, he who comes after me has surpassed me because he was before me. Referring back and saying, this is what he was telling us, that there was a greater one who was coming. And he says, out of his fullness, we have received grace in place of grace already given for the law was given through Moses. Grace and truth came through Jesus Christ. And when we look at this, it's really amazing because he says we've received grace in place of grace. What does that mean? He's saying, listen, God throughout history and throughout the centuries has shown us grace. He's saying even the giving of the law, it was an act of grace. God's unfailing love working on our behalf. He's saying, but now we've received even greater grace. This grace just keeps giving. It's, it's like I read one thing that compared it to the waves of, uh, in the ocean. That if you're sitting on the beach, the waves just keep coming and they keep lapping up up on the shore. And it's like he's saying, listen, the grace upon grace, it continues forever. It never stops. It's just grace after grace after grace. God's unfailing love doing for us what we can't do for ourselves. And he's saying this grace just keeps getting lavished on us. Him doing for us what we cannot do. Him doing for us what we cannot do. But if you're like me, you take that for granted. He says, for the law was given through Moses, but grace and truth came through Jesus Christ. Again, referring back to that old covenant. He said, yes, he gave us the law, but understand this, the law revealed God's righteous requirement. The law revealed God's righteous requirement. But Jesus fulfilled the righteous requirement. And when we look at that, we see that this grace, this grace that came through Christ is so much greater because not only did Jesus reveal who we're supposed to be, and not only do we see our shortcomings and how far short we come in that, but we also see the gap that he bridged for us. And while the law and even Jesus' perfect life reveals for us the righteous requirement of God, it's only in Jesus that the righteous requirement is fulfilled. And it's why he is the only one who can make the sacrifice for us that could cover our sin. It is why Jesus himself has the creative power to recreate in you a clean heart, to renew a right spirit in you. 
And all you have to do is call upon his name. Verse 18, no one has ever seen God, but the one and only son who is himself God and is in closest relationship with the father has made him known. To me, it's kind of a summary statement of everything. That the creator has stepped into creation. That the light has come and revealed who God is through the life of Jesus. And that now we can know God and know his purposes and know his plan. And when we look at this, We see the heart of God in the person of Jesus. My question to you would be one, what in your life needs recreation? Maybe you're a Christian and God's given you a new heart, but this is what I know. There are areas of our lives that are still in shambles. That we in our own flesh have destroyed these different areas of our life. And we need the creator to step in and to recreate. For some of us, it's just to create in us a clean heart. There are things in our life we know are just not right. There are attitudes in our life that we know are just not right. For others, listen, you need a a fresh revelation of who God is. You need to see him with clarity and understanding And for many of us, we're in a place where we need deliverance. God, to deliver us out of some dark area of our life. Out of emptiness, out of despair, out of hopelessness. Out from under the pressure of life and what it's bringing to you right now. And there is one name under heaven that can do that. And his name is Jesus. And when we call upon that name, miracles happen. And we call upon his name. Look, look, the name of Jesus, it's not just to say in Jesus' name at the end of a blessing. It's not a magical recipe for success. When we say in Jesus' name and we call upon the name of Jesus, it means we're calling upon him and his person, his character, his nature, his power. All that he is, it's it's not just to say, you know, Lord, use this food to bring us strength in Jesus' name, amen. Like somehow pixie dust just sprinkled all over the food and all of a sudden it becomes magical. It's the power that's in the name. It's the power that's in the person. 
in the character, in the nature of who he is. It's the power of the creator. It's the power of the revealer of our heart and of God's heart. It's the power of the deliverer. Why don't we just take a minute? Let's just see where the Lord leads us. Why don't we take a minute and allow God to speak to us? He's the God of the living, not the God of the dead. He still speaks to us today. Why don't you take a minute and let the Lord speak to your heart? What area of your life needs recreation? you just start presenting your heart before the Lord. Maybe you need to pray for God to renew a right spirit in you, to deliver you from impurity, from attitudes and thoughts that aren't from the Lord. Maybe you need God to give you a fresh revelation of Jesus and who he is. One of the things I've been praying for is a breakthrough. That the Lord would give me to give us a breakthrough and a lot of the things we're facing and fighting against and sometimes when it comes to the point of a breakthrough it it just requires us to to keep stepping to keep moving to keep trusting to keep believing even against the odds that we believe and we trust we keep swinging and we keep swinging until the breakthrough comes. But here's the thing that I realized, the way we swing at these things, the way we see the breakthrough come is through prayer. And this morning, I'd really like for us as a church to lift our voices together. To cry out to God for the breakthrough.
If you're willing to do that today, then I'm gonna ask you, would you get out of your seat? Why don't we come up here together at the front? And together, we lift our voices. cry out to the Lord that, Lord, we need a breakthrough. We need your creative power. Listen, and I want to be clear about this. This is not me saying you need to come for prayer and for us to pray for you. We definitely want to do this. But in my heart, what I'm sensing right now is that we need to take up a warrior mentality. that we need to take this attack to the enemy and we together need to lift our voices in prayer to war and to fight. If you're willing to do that, this is not just for us as individuals, this is for us fighting for each other. Together we're fighting for marriages, we're fighting for lives, we're fighting for souls. And together, we're, we're going to declare who God is and what God's like. And we're going to believe for the breakthrough. Come on, you're willing to fight. You're willing to fight. You're willing to fight. You're willing to fight for your brother and sister. You're willing to fight for the one who doesn't have the strength to fight for themselves. You come and fight with us. I'm going to ask those who are at the front, if you will, would you stand to your feet? Would you stand to your feet? I want us to stand to our feet because I, there's something in that to me this morning that just speaks to being triumphant. That even under the weight of the world, we can still stand. We can still stand because we are the children of God. I want you right where you are. And, and maybe things are good in your life, but guess what? There's somebody next to you that is not. And I'm asking you to begin to war on their behalf. Would you begin to cry out to the creator who recreates the revealer of Jesus on their behalf? Would you begin to cry out to the deliverer who delivers us from the snares of the enemy. Just begin to pray, begin to lift your voices. It's not about eloquence. So much of it's about desperation. And God, this morning we need you. 
Would you give the breakthrough, Lord? Even now, would you sweep across this room, Lord? Even now, right now, God, would you sweep across this room and begin to break chains? Begin to remove, God, the the blindness over our eyes that can't see you clearly. Would you break chains of apathy off of us? Just lift your voices to the Lord right now. Would you break chains of despair, of hopelessness? God, we rebuke any spirit, Lord, that would bring thoughts of suicide. Lord, would you lift that garment of heaviness? Lord, bring light, bring light. Even bring lightness where there's heaviness. God, we declare right now that you are good. You are good in all things, Lord. God, continue to give breakthrough. Continue to move in our hearts right now, God. There's power in his name. Maybe for you right now, you don't even know what to pray. Why don't you just declare the name of Jesus? God, we speak Jesus right now over our situations. The King of kings, the Lord of lords, the creator, the word, the one who came. But we thank you right now that your spirit is here that you would move in a mighty, mighty way, God, through your spirit, move in us, God. Move right now, Lord, through the power of your spirit, the same spirit that resurrected Jesus from the dead. Would you move in a mighty way right now, God? Blow through this place, Lord, like the day of Pentecost and fill us again. God, give us a fire on the inside of us. Jesus, we thank you. to understand more why the angels are around your throne singing day and night holy 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 is the Lord God Almighty God you're worthy you're triumphant we declare this morning God your goodness your faithfulness your power 
when the Israelites, and this is the last thing I feel like is on my heart, when the Israelites crossed the Jordan River, the first battle they had to face was Jericho. And they won that battle in a very unconventional way. They won it by marching around the city seven times. And then by giving a shout. This may sound really weird. And this may sound really... uh, Bapticostal. Something in me feels like we need to shout. And my prayer is that when we shout, that the walls in our hearts and even in the hearts of those around us would fall. So what I want to do, I want to count to three. And we're going to shout the name of Jesus over our lives, over our families, over our church, over our city, over this nation, over the world. And in that, we're going to declare just through shouting the name of Jesus, He is ruling and He is reigning and He is bringing breakthrough for the children of God. So on the count of three, we're just gonna shout Jesus will be finished. The last thing today we wanna declare is His name. So on the count of three, you ready? One, two, three. Father, thank you for the power that is in that name. Thank you for how you work in our hearts. Thank you for each person here, your love and faithfulness to each of us. Lord, we love you in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Well, guys, we love you. We truly do and uh, are very thankful for you. And I hope that today the Lord's moved in your heart in some way and that our faith does not rest on our eloquence or on wisdom, but on the power of God. God bless you guys.